temps will be cooling down. And before you know it, you'll be turning on your furnace. Before you do, turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services and Carrier. Get an $88 heating system start and check from Griffith to make sure your family stays comfortable all winter long. Griffith specializes in Carrier, but services all brands. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com for this and other exclusive offers. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. Enjoy the freedom to do more with the Samsung Galaxy Watch, now available at John Lewis & Partners. With built-in GPS, you can track your wellness routine, whether it's running, cycling, or sleeping. Plus, with up to four days of battery life, you can live the fast-paced life without a worry. John Lewis & Partners. For us, it's personal. See online for details. Hey, this is Chris. Uh, I'm just here to, to give you a little heads up before you listen. Uh, this is our... My Neighbour Totoro episode, so it's an eagerly awaited episode and we had a great time doing this. But unfortunately when I came to listen to it, I discovered for some reason my audio had picked up my internal laptop mic instead of my external mic, so I sound a bit different. Um, it's alright, it's not unlistenable, it's a bit annoying for me, but I did just want to let you know why it sounds like it does. Um, but I think it's a really good episode. so. Hey, let's go, and after the music, you'll hear me again, but I'll sound a bit different. And I'll speak to you again soon. Bye! Well, hello there, and welcome to the AFA podcast, the official podcast of animationforadults.com. If this is your first episode listening, you can find all our previous episodes on animationforadults.com itself under the podcast tab. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on podcast.com, and on your favourite podcast platform, and also on the Listen Notes podcast search engine. That's a new thing that we're also on. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so, so today we are going to be talking about one film and one film only, and it's a very important film in the history of animation, and that is My Neighbor Totoro. Uh, Totoro. 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 Okay, you say Totoro, I say Totoro. Let's call the whole thing off. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, you say Totoro, I say Totoro. <laughs> And as you can hear, I'm not alone. <laughs> I am joined by Dad. Hello, Dad. Hello. And Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Hey, everybody. Yeah, so we are here to talk about Hayao Miyazaki's 1988 classic, My Name is Totoro, 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 Tomato, whatever. Um, <laughs> whether you say, say my neighbour with a U in it or without, it doesn't matter. It's, I'm saying it with... The you, <laughs> yeah. To say okay. no, yeah. Uh, okay, well, whatever. It's my name is Totoro. Totoro, too true. <laughs> I'm not going to do it every time. 
um, and it has been screening in the US by G Kids as part of the Fathom Events uh, Ghibli Fest 2018 screenings for its 30th anniversary. So yep. we thought perfect time to finally discuss this film. Yep. And Happy third anniversary. And we're just going to be talking about that. No news or anything this week. So let's get stuck in, I guess. Yeah, right. Um, so oh, I will say, before we go any further, we decided <laughs> that um, this we're just going to talk about the film uh, without worrying about spoiling anyone. Because not just because it's 30 years old, because I don't really agree with no. the idea that just because the film's old, well, the film got popular, like, probably, I, I have, yeah, it's, it's gonna, it got popular, like, ten years ago, right? Like, that was, yeah. like, the height of its actual, at least in the Western sphere, yeah. like, I believe America. so. Yeah, um, so, we're, we're not saying because it's old, you can't talk, you, it's alright to spoil, but we just don't think that it's the kind of film that you can spoil by talking about, uh, plot details or whatever so uh, do you want to hear the most damning thing that i've ever heard anyone say about this film what um so i was talking about it with a friend of mine who was very very dismissive of this is probably about six or so years ago and i was i was just gushing about the film i was like you gotta see this film it's bloody amazing (laughs) and um my friend turned around and he said oh um, well, I've looked at the art book for Totoro, so I've basically seen the film. Oh, oh! And I think like that's the fairest, most damning thing anyone can say about the film because it is light on the story. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, um, actually, it's strength. Like it's, yeah. it, it's. It's not about the story you have or how much story you have. It's the way you tell it. Exactly. But if you have not seen it and you absolutely don't want to know anything before you go in, I guess come back and listen to this after you've seen it or or not, whatever. But we are just going to talk about it and we're not going to worry about about um, tiptoeing around spoilers or whatever because they're kind of really aren't any. Um, so. Yeah, it's impossible to even talk anything about the film without spoiling it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll be talking f- about the frog. Yeah, the frog. The that's tiny little frog in the rain. That's and like the, the biggest spoiler. Is and the goat a frog. And, uh, and the snail. Okay, so the goat. Okay, the frog and the goat <laughs> are, are the. They steal the show. They absolutely steal the show. That goat is the baddest like, villain. And it's the scar- terrifying, okay? Like, the scariest thing. Hell? Yeah, it, it's. It, I always forget. Everyone, you always forget about the goat, <laughs> and it's like this full-on, like looking at the f- Satan in the face. Which, which, we're starting with the deep cut. So if you see, if you see the witch, it's like Black Philip. It is, yeah, it's Black Philip. It's yeah. yeah. It's horrific, and May has every reason to run away. Because who wouldn't? Actually, that's not what—that's not what makes her run away, but it gives her a fright. Yes, it does. It does startle her. She's she's she, May is not a girl who scares easily, and she'll tell you so quite often. It's one of her first lines. She's not scared. 
Not, yep, yep. See. She's not scared. And <laughs> yeah, that's why she sees Totoro. Mm. Uh, friend. So. Yeah. It's a film. It's a film. Right. And it was made by. Uh, it was directed by Hayao Miyazaki, who. Uh, I mean, like, this is probably the film that made him a household name, right? At least in Japan. Although, supposedly, it was actually their weakest box office opening at the time, at first. And it wasn't until it aired on television that it really took off. This is the thing. It aired on TV, and famously, Ghibli didn't release their films on video. This, they didn't release their films on video until um, Disney stepped in with the uh, worldwide like distribution uh, or the US distribution deal. And uh, only after that point did they actually start producing videos. Until then, if you had Totoro on, DV- on video in Japan, it was because you'd recorded it on the TV. Mm. Uh, which is... I mean, that doesn't really happen so much anymore, but I guess that happened with certain... Like, that happened with the Christmas story in America, right? It was just on TV, and it didn't particularly do very well, but because it was just on TV, yeah, it became yeah. a classic. That yeah. is correct. I don't and... know if there's anything like that in the UK so much. Maybe the snowman, I guess? Just tradition Christmas things, right? I don't believe... I, I did not live in London long enough to pick up on that, fortunately. Oh, I was asking Chris, who oh. was absent from his own podcast. Sorry, I'm here. I'm here, sorry. <laughs> no, no, I don't think there was really anything like that in the UK. Only... No. Well, no, just, yeah, Christmas specials. The holiday episodes of Only Fools and Horses, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. No. I, and I don't, I don't mean the Christmas ones. I mean the ones where they went to like Magaluf or. Well, it's Gromit. yeah. Actually, yeah. I guess animation is. Yeah, that's actually true. Yeah, animation is one of those things that that does that. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, like Chris, I watched the Blu-ray of this, mm-hmm. and. It's great. I mean, the Blu-ray puts the DVD to shame because it's a beautiful <laughs> new transfer of the film. Um, that's just so detailed and colourful and lovely. And it has, like, you can see the details in, in, in the picture. You can see that they used a different outline colour for the characters mm. to make them sit nicely around the background. It's a technique that... Beautiful. It's a technique they didn't actually continue i think they used it up until kiki's delivery service and after then they stopped using it but what they were doing was because in the old days with uh, cell animation you know when you actually just have to paint on a on a thing and it was photographed on on a yeah, yeah. background um they used to just uh like transfer like xerox the drawings onto the acetates onto the cells yeah and in Totoro, they used a different toner. They used a brown toner, uh, which like made a softer uh, impression when you put the characters on the top of the background rather than having a black line. Mm-hmm. It was a brown line. Anyway, um, I'm, I'm sort of like constantly tripping myself up with this. 
That's fine. I mean, I'm getting to it. So he, okay. Miyazaki is a guy and he made a film in 1988, which was his third, no, his fourth feature. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it was his fourth. Because what, okay, Castle Cagliostro was his first? No, wait, was that no, Nausicaa? Am I getting that? No, it was, it was Cagliostro, Nausicaa, Laputa. Uh-huh. And this was like an idea that he, he'd had um, for like 15 years, apparently. He was like working in TV. He was working on... Um, uh, series with Takahata, actually, like uh, Heidi Girl of the Alps and things like that. You've got a third. Yeah, and they were making a, you know, that was when it's fair to say that's where his, like, creative origins begin, working with Takahata and being influenced by Takahata's attention to detail and his like appreciation for landscape uh, and making that part of the story. And anyway, he, the point is that his life was hectic and he wanted a change of gears and he just started drawing his own thing. He needed to just do something different. And around this time, he was actually making a few picture books. Um, I think around this time is like when he made the first version of Princess Mononoke, which actually has a Totoro kind of creature in it. Oh, um, and he also did like another one called something like, uh, oh God, it was something about like a boy and his sister and his sister was like in a wheelchair and mm. this little boy makes an airplane for his sister and he takes her on a flight. It's the most like Miyazaki book and it's mm-hmm. like kind of beautiful. Anyway, so he was, he's always going to be a picture book. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had, like, a few images from this picture book. He didn't actually ever make the Totoro picture book, but he had, like, the images of the girls. He had, he, originally, it was just one girl at a bus stop in the dark with this creature next to her. Um, mm-hmm. And they're both holding umbrellas because it's raining. And the other image he had um, was uh, the little, just little creatures and ones that were sort of semi-transparent. Um, mm-hmm. and a little girl being the only one able to see them. Okay. And he had those, and he was just, like, sitting with these ideas for, like, 15 years. And apparently he actually pitched the idea, uh, I guess, like, after Nausicaa. He pitched the idea, and it was rejected, because it just didn't appeal, actually. The whole thing the film was doing of, like, he wanted to do with making it a slow film, making it be more about the landscape and it not having like robots or uh or like um flying machines flying machines or, or, or magic in like the in in like a cheaper sense where you know there was like fairy dust and things right it was not yeah like actual not, concrete use of magic that people see and recognize yeah and like that's what makes the film so magical is that it doesn't really have any of that stuff mm-hmm I mean, it's got some bonkers stuff, but it doesn't have fairy dust and it doesn't have, like, the typical lazy sort of things in it. You know, that it could very easily be... There's... It's less direct is what it is. I mean, there is a sort of magic going on, but it's a natural magic. It's the magic of the natural world being put under a new lens. 
Yeah, yeah, precisely. So yeah. Anyway, eventually he um, he met. Uh, he was making a name for himself, basically, as an, as an animator, and um, he met uh, Toshio Suzuki. Mm-hmm. And Suzuki saw something in Miyazaki, and he asked him to create a manga, pretty much for the purpose of uh, turning it into an animation. Mm-hmm. And, and that was Nausicaa. So Miyazaki made Nausicaa, and he like adapted his own comic, and that was how he sort of... That was when Ghibli was founded. Which is which I have to say, I actually um, I have the, the Nausicaa manga now, and I was looking through it, and it is amazing. To, like I only read, like, maybe a, a quarter way through the first book. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we've co- I, that just that one portion covered what was covered in the movie. So I'm just like, I'm really excited because I feel like I'm going into new territory with the story. That the Nausicaa manga, before. yeah, it's, it's the same experience of like watching Akira and like the manga just going beyond your wildest imagination. Yeah. yeah with it. I'm it's, so excited. But he hates it apparently. Uh, really? Adapting, adapting his own work because it was apparently very torturous and he didn't enjoy the experience. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the thing is, the film was a big enough success so Ghibli was set up. Mm-hmm. First Ghibli film, Laputa. Yep. You know, as much as it's a adventure film, it was, uh, and, you know, and it hit all Miyazaki's original ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was still like a film that they made because they knew you had to make money. It was, uh, you know, it was it was engineered as a, to be a hit. It was engineered to be like a big uh, summer fantasy film for kids. Yeah, I can see that. So like Totoro was like, that was the one he'd been waiting for. That was like, you know, finally he was like, okay, now I'm going to show you guys what my animation is about. Mm-hmm. Not that, not that Peter and Nazca are not good by any Oh yeah, yeah, they were yeah. yeah, they were great movies, but I think it's fair to say that Toshiro was like up until that point his most personal film. Mm. And that was like him saying you know, he was using up fifteen years worth of like ideas and passion that he had been saving for this special project. So I think like even at the time it was a big deal for him. That's like uh what was the one of those directors' names, those Disney directors, um Musker and Clements. That was like they're Hercules. Yeah, that Hercules, so that they could get to Treasure Planet. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, they want. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, I I don't know what my thoughts are on Treasure Planet because I've not seen it for a long time. It's okay, but so I don't want to be unfair Totoro, to that movie. I, I'm just I'm just using that as a comparison. Like, okay, both of these, like Totoro <clears throat> was for Miyazaki. What that what Treasure Planet was for those directors. It was something that they really wanted to work on for a long time, but they needed to prove, you know, prove themselves. To yeah. Them. It was a passion project of yeah. kinds. Yeah. But it was, uh, it wasn't an irresponsible passion project. Let's say that much. He's, he's a very, uh, conscientious filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically he's like, Miyazaki's a city boy, actually. Right. He's a, he's, he is, he didn't grow up in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, he grew up in Tokyo and it, he says it wasn't actually until he was in his 30s that he really rediscovered like nature and gave a shit about nature mm-hmm. so 
he wanted to make this film he said as like a letter to his himself as a child like look check out how cool japan is like it's a beautiful country and you know this is what you um will miss out on if you're not careful kind of thing yeah like this is look at all these cool things that you know were right in your backyard yeah i mean and i think there's plenty that he did take from his childhood Mm -hmm. but there's also a feeling i think where he's like i've got to you know like pay my respects and you know, worship at the uh, altar of that massive tree that I've been neglecting, kind of thing. Yeah, that's something I I didn't pick up on until I watched it this time, and then I watched a bunch of the the excellent special features on the Blu-ray edition, um, where there was uh, some interview with Miyazaki and stuff. Um, is the fact that the the main characters in the film may and Sasuke are um, basically they're, they're coming from the city so yeah seeing the or some somewhere more urban at least uh, so that basically all they're wondering everything is because they've never seen the country before and it's showing it's showing the country through the eyes of like city children it's yes. like wow look at all these green things the trees and stuff mm-hmm it's like when a you know a kid goes from in a inner city London and sees their first cow or whatever, like <gasps> Wow <laughs> <laughs> Hey look, this tree doesn't have bars around the trunk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's uh yeah, that's it's it's weird because I guess this film is kind of what happens with films that are way too popular. And I think it might have been kind of misreceived as something else. It's actually, yeah, it's, it, and it wears that on its sleeve. Now, you, when you see it, it's clear. Like, it's not uh, sort of, hey, wow, isn't it great living in the countryside kind of thing. It's actually, oh, no, we need this retreat. We need this to happen. And I, yeah. I if, if you guys have, like, uh, you know, remember, I have this idea that Miyazaki is obsessed with retreats. <laughs> yeah. um, in every single one of his movies, every single one, mm. about three quarters, no, about four fifths of the way through the film, there is a retreat of some kind. That means a character stops off, takes a breath gets back up on their feet and runs into the finale. It's like, it happens Kiki, to... Kiki goes to the, the cabin in the woods. With... Kiki goes to the cabin oh. in the woods. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sen, uh, uh, Chihiro goes to the um, Naishi Baba in, in the woods. And Nausicaa goes, or finds the, the area underneath the forest of corruption, which is actually not poisonous. Yeah, and in the, and in the manga four-fifths of the way through the whole saga she goes and she visits someone who's ill in the hospital in the magic hospital yeah yeah i'm not gonna spoil it um <laughs> yeah like uh that's when um uh, sophie sees uh goes through Hal's cave in his mind and she sees him as a young boy swallowing mm-hmm. it's 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 in every seriously it's in every single one of his movies you can just guarantee that's going to be there and Totoro is like a whole movie of that. 
it's a whole movie of these kids going and the whole family going through look we need to for whatever reason and it doesn't explain it which is perfect we need to move and we need to slow life down a bit because you know that's a necessary change mm-hmm. that we need to go through yeah i think it was it's implied that they're they moved closer because the hospital that the girl's mother is currently staying at is good ways out of tokyo and she's kind of like recuperating there so they i think they right closer and the dad her. works at the university he works at tokyo university mm-hmm. so it's not like it's not a absolutely out in the sticks. They're like a couple of hours from Tokyo. Yeah, so it's still the countryside, but not far enough that he can't go to and from Tokyo U by bus. Yeah, no, I, exactly. I, and, or train and by bus, excuse me. He, he implied, he, I recall a line where he said, oh, I had to take the train and then the bus. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, there's, I, I wanna, going back to special features, there's one um, uh where they're going around locations it's from it's from like a nhk documentary or something and it's like locations inspired by or or they inspired totoro um inspired the movie scenes and things Mm. and there's um there's actually a bit where someone says about how this isn't that far from the city or whatever and that's um, i think that's kind of an important thing i think like I, i think I heard recently about how much of Japan is actually, like, actually still, you know, nature. <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. like, there's huge urban areas and then there's lots of countryside stuff. Well, that's because of the mountains. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of it is just not built on because it's just impossible. And they have, like, things like mountain tunnels because... <laughs> To, to connect like towns where they can build, they have to just go, well, there's this very big mountain in the way. We can't knock that down. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to go through it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like, it's, it's, it's not funny, but it's, it's, it's weird to revisit the film. Cause I think like, we've all seen this film, right? Like yeah. a while ago. I saw this film back when I was like, I think it, it had was not long after my family and I had moved back from uh, the UK and I was in, I, I was moving back into Pennsylvania. And what year was that? That was before, that was in 2010, 2011. I think 2011. Right. And um, I don't know how long it was. It wasn't very long. And then. Uh, it's 90 minutes. Yeah, and so it's, it's a tight ninety. But um, I recall because there was, was a video uh, rental place back when those were still a thing, um, and there was a VHS tape, and I saw, and I thought the character. You know, I think I wasn't sure if I was the one who picked it out or uh, my fam- my parents were the ones who picked it out because they knew they knew I liked cute things. So I was like, oh, this might be a nice film to watch, and I remember really enjoying it just for you know what it was, even though I didn't read that deeply into it at the time. Because, you know, that w- I wasn't at the age where you really read too much deeper into what you were shown. But I remember being really, in, like, fascinated the fact that, you know, my brother and I have, are similar, uh, you know, have similar interests in a lot of things, but we're also very different. And I never thought that a film like this, like, like Totoro, who, which is basically focused around two girls, you know, who are roughly my age at the time, were, like, 
I never expected him to get into it as much as he did. He everyone was, every single time I sat down to watch that movie, he would find time to come sit down and watch it with me. And I'm like, I kind of look at him like, really? And he's like, yeah, I like it. I'm like, really? <laughs> you, you're, you're not watching or playing your race car games or your sports games or anything? He's like, no, I, I'll, I'll watch this. I'm like, okay. Well, the films are a treat. It's like yeah. So it, I, the fact that you're talking about it being your treat that kind of makes sense now in hindsight. And it does, it, it does make sense as well, like, that it became popular with, you know, like, animation as its worst use, <laughs> as, as, we, <laughs> as we say, as a babysitter. Like, it, it's, it's not a bad babysitting film. No, it's not. At least, you know, for the ages that it's, ages that it's meant for, but it's, yeah, because, I mean, there's really nothing that jumps out or scares you or uh, the, the goat sorry well there's the goat yeah the goat that the goat is the one time exception the goat is what made to throw a hard on there's always got to be at least one jump scare and the goat is as close as we get yeah yeah the goat is like yeah any if there was like one frame longer of the goat it would be nc17 it would not, <laughs> it would not yeah it would not yeah, but there's a certain, I remember that making like a real special like point in my mind about this film was that the fact that this was something that my brother and I could genuinely enjoy together and like throughout all the moments of us, you know, arguing and trying to compete with each other. Like that was that was a movie we could both sit down to watch or even get, you know, mom and dad to watch with us and that was there was never a point of contention. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, Dan, when did you first see it? Was it? I first, okay, so as everyone knows, my first uh, Ghibli experience was not oh, yeah. enjoying Spirited Away, I think. And then, yeah, and then like Ponyo. Oh, okay, like, yeah. that was That was it. I can't remember <laughs> which one I saw first, but the one that matters is Ponyo. Yes. And then it was literally like I was, I was living at home. And opposite me, my friend lived. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a very Yoda way to say that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, my friend lived opposite me. And um, mm. between us, like, we would spend our, like, wages, which were just, like, part-time supermarket wages at the time, um, each week going to HMV and buying a Ghibli or a couple. And... It was like, okay, we went, I think after Ponyo, I, uh, it was Kiki's Delivery Service. Okay. And then after that, it was Spirited Away. And then it was, I think it was, I think Totoro was the next one. And I knew it was a big deal because I'd been like going to cons and things and I'd like seen it on, you know, like cheap wallets that people had made and things like that. The Totoro merch. Yeah, I recognized the characters. I recognize the characters and all of that. And yeah, it's just a delightful film. Like it doesn't put you, I watched it today and I've had a busy enough day, like moving things around and mm-hmm. uh, lifting heavy boxes. And I was exhausted, but Totoro put me in such a good mood. It, like, it, it's yeah. Same. I was, I was laughing like an idiot watching it. And um, I don't think that's, uh, you know, just because I was deliriously tired, I, I think it's a good movie. And it's a funny movie. As well. It is. It's 
I'm not sure if it's intentionally or unintentionally, but I just, a lot of the humor, at least for me, just comes from just the exuberance of these two main leads of the two sisters. They're just so enraptured by everything new and unusual that it's just, it's, you kind of just get a little bit, like almost kind of like with Ponyo later on, it's like you get a little bit that, that energy is contagious. Yeah, and the movie, like, plays, yeah, like, through their eyes. Like, mm-hmm. particularly when they f- first move into the house. Like, you kind of see the pe- the dad, like, worrying about moving boxes and the radio. Like, mm-hmm. and, but that's, like, all in the background. And the film is, like, concerned with, okay, look, we're with the kids here. Mm-hmm. We're going to run around with them. And they just, they don't actually do anything. They just run around and they sort of, like... Run around yelling, screaming, like, look at this, look at that. Are those yeah. bunnies? Um, I do have to point out, though, I really like how the film starts with um, when they're first driving to their new house. And oh, that's not how... Well, the film starts with a banger. Oh, yeah, wait. Musical number. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the start. That's the thing that like gets you pumped. I, I think. almost forgot about that. And that's quite a throwback as well. That's a yeah, throwback. Was, that, at the time, that was like a throwbacky thing to do. Because um, that's how Miyazaki opened uh, his 1972 short film Panda Go Panda, oh, and okay. the sequel. And in fact, that was a throwback at that time to the old Toei movies that right, used right. the same like kind of look. We got to do the credits at the front, and we'll kind of get everyone into it by doing these little sort of like strips on the top and bottom of the screen uh, sort of teasing like the, they're kind of like the sorts of illustrations that you see actually in the American version of Harry Potter you know the chapter illustrations it's yes. like just a little hint of like what's to come yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and it's all like groggy grotty stuff it's like <laughs> a spider and like an old rusty can and mm-hmm caterpillars and things and it it's such a good way to like get you um to introduce you to the film yeah yeah it's and this one like it's it's it's, i recall i mean you see the the little the little spirits that will you see later on in the movie little little dust spirits too as well as um may walking around with her little hat and a bunch of little insects if i recall correctly and but i like how when we're getting into the film proper, there's this one scene that never, at least when rewatching it, it never like jumped out at me before, but I, I really appreciated it here watching it um, recently mm-hmm. was when they're driving to their new home, you know, you have their dad in the front seat with the driver and the girls are actually in the back of the, you know, in the trunk, I want to say the trunk of the car or the, like the, the, the bed of the truck because there's a bunch of stuff piled onto the bed of the truck, including a desk on top of them. And it's on, a literally way. on top <laughs> yeah. of these two little yeah. girls, there's hiding underneath the desk, and they see like a person like up on a, um, a bicycle up ahead, and they the both girls duck in, and then she they look back at the person like, oh, it wasn't a cop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, thank goodness, it wasn't a cop. We're not gonna get in trouble. <laughs> Yeah, which is, like, a nice little hint of, like, the sort of, oh, no, look, this is country life. It's it's just a friendly postman. 
They, they, I thought that was so funny. Like I never picked up on that line before, and the fact that they're just, they were nervous about doing something like traveling illegally. But it's just like, man, that's how you can tell. Like these girls grew up in the city. This film has been with me a long time. I, yeah, sorry, Chris. I didn't mean to like actually run off. You have known this film longer than any of us. I think so. Because I am as old as time, turning to <laughs> dust in the wind. So, um, no, I did. I did see this film. Not some real history about it, but I did see it before most people in the UK probably got a chance to see it, just because that's how it worked out. Before and it was cool. Yeah, it was it was my first experience with a Ghibli film was with my neighbour Totoro. And um it was I can't tell you exactly when it was, but it was sometime in the nineties somewhere. Um <laughs> uh, and I I obviously I must have known about the existence of the film because it was it was randomly shown on um satellite television on a movie channel um in the uk um they showed my they showed totoro on one day and then they showed porco rosso the next day um and they were they were i believe they were dubs produced for japan airlines in-flight movies um so they were like early produced dubs so i think it's the same one that was released by fox later in the u.s um yeah i think so so it was uh, the the uh, I, the dub featured the voice of the young May was played by the same actress who played Angelica in the Rugrats. No, um, okay, I, I just, oh, all right, that wasn't just me. All right, thank you. May. Yes. May oh, was played no. by Angelica. She yeah. was playing a dumb baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> how I, did she feel about that? Oh so, boy. So I am very attached to that old dub over the over the um, subsequent one with real children in it, um, <laughs> um, and I yeah a family friend used to occasionally record things off satellite for me if I saw them in like in the TV guide and I was like oh I want to see that um, and so I had a a VHS with a double bill of those two films on it um, that I watched many many times. <laughs> to the point where when I watched the dub today, the Disney dub, in my head were occasional times when the translations differed and I could hear the original line. Yep. Uh, so you saw that version as well? Yes, I did. It was... Oh, the, the, yeah, so the video released in the US mm-hmm. on VHS was yep. the same version that I saw. Yeah. Yes, yes it was. And to be honest, I... I think I still have that same problem because I got so accustomed to that particular dub, you know, regardless of what you say about the quality of it, like that's, that became like the, the voices in my head for, for these characters. So when I heard the film, you know, in the, the Disney dub years later, I'm like, I like it. And I still, you know, still like it as a whole. And I think, you know, the actors did a pretty good job. It's just, I don't know. Like you said, my, because of the translations differ, like I will hear them say a certain thing in the Disney dub, and like, wait, was the line supposed to be like this? Um, but that's because they did it differently in that original dub, and it's just like it's my nostalgia is kind of pulling me in a certain direction when I'm just trying to my present self is trying to enjoy the movie as it is in front of me. Because the the Disney dub are the Fanning sisters, right? Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it was kind of like the thing where like Disney were kind of they were they were going like through redubbing all of the Ghibli films. Yeah. And there was this kind of Except element. Mononoke. Okay. Yeah. And also, was... they didn't redub Kiki. Did they? Was... They didn't. But what they did do, which I am very thankful for, is they restored the soundtrack because the Curse and Dunce dub of Kiki uses like some shitty music sometimes, which is not the original film. Ah, right, the original and one. They, res- they restored that recently, yeah, which was which is very cool. Um, but yeah, like they were sort of like going through, and there was they were kind of getting a star for each dub, right? James Van Der Beek. <laughs> <laughs> James Van Der. Who's that? I don't even know who that is. Dawson from Dawson's Creek. Jesus he, Christ. Who was he? He was, he was, he was Pat, Pat, is it Patsy? Right, wait. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, well, I'm sure we talk, spoke about it on the Laputa episode like, yeah, ages ago, yeah. but like, I always way. hated that decision because it's like, no, he's a 12-year-old boy. He's not 17. What makes that film cool is that he's a 12 year old who has a job and lives alone and, you know, is dealing with the. Living in a grown up world, man. Exactly. Yeah. But like, yeah, Totoro is the Fanning sisters. Yeah. I've all, I, I never really liked the dub. When I first saw the film, I was 18 and I was a snotty, uh, animation student and I was, watching the Japanese version. Mm. And That's the version I watched today. I never watched it before. Have you not? You know, it's it's definitely my favourite. Like, I don't like the Disney dub. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like they're too kid actor about it. Even yeah, though it's yeah. quite natural, it's still a little bit too affected. Miyazaki yeah. always went for like... You know, and this is why I prefer like the double Ponyo as well, mm-hmm. which is kind of like Totoro's sister film, I think. But um, I would say so. Uh, yeah, like the Japanese dub is great, but it really grates sometimes. Like when May is crying, it's it it's like fingernails on a blackboard. It's yeah. not pleasant to listen to, and that's kind of why I like it, because it's actually, it feels a bit more real. Than... Well, yeah, because when the, a kid's screaming and crying in, in the same room you're in, even if it's not your kid, it's just like, you kind of get this unpleasant feeling, like, you know, depending on who you are, just like, oh, that's a really uncomfortable sounding noise, or if you're a, you know, if you're more of a, like, a parent or paternally minded, then you're just like, oh, man. Like, yeah. you kind of feel like you want to jump in because, like, a child is in distress and that's just, like, we're hardwired to, like, want to jump in when that's going on. It's, it's, it is that lizard, yeah, it's that lizard brain, or I guess maybe later than the lizard brain reaction, yeah, where you're like, oh, no, there is a thing that is crying. I need to help, yeah. Yeah, I need <laughs> yeah. to get involved somehow, but, yeah, that. And I got that feeling probably more so from when, like you, like you just pointed out, like I got that more so watching the film in the original Japanese than I did in watching it in English, even both times, like compared to both dubs that I've heard before. Yeah. Uh, and the dubs, the, the dubs are fine. They're fine. But the other thing as well is that the Japanese version was directed by Mizuki. The voices mm-hmm. were. And he's very meticulous about directing the voices. Um, as you, people may or may not know, like Japanese uh, animation, they usually do the voices last. Yes. Rather than 
before, which is the norm with like every other type of animation that you can think of. <laughs> um, but the reason Miyazaki says is because you can, he feels like he hones the characters when he's drawing them. Mm-hmm. And then he gets the, by the time the voice actors arrive, he knows exactly what performance he needs out of them. Um, yeah, the tricky part is coaching them out of the actors themselves. Ex- yeah, and if you've seen like the making of Spirited Away, you can see where he's like, you know, the 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 cadence of a line and the rhythm and the tone is like absolutely in his mind, and he he struggles to coax it out of his voice actors. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's why it's my preferred version, but. It seems like a shame because it's such a pretty film. I mean, it's not a very talky film, so you're not reading that many subtitles. But nah, the but main star is like the is the art, really, the images. Yeah, agreed. The first time I saw the subtitle version actually was in a cinema. So the only time I've seen it on a big screen was in the Japanese version. Oh, wow. Lucky you. So um, that was quite an experience. It was a few years ago. Uh, the local animation festival showed a lot of the um, Studio Ghibli films. And to be honest, I own most of them. On, and I thought, you know, I'm not really in the position to be throwing money away to go and see every every Ghibli film that they're showing. But Right. I couldn't not go and see me and Totoro. So even though I owned it, possibly, I don't know if I owned it twice over at that point or three times, um, <laughs> but, and had the art book and everything, um, I still went to see it anyway. And it was, you know, it was like seeing it for the first time again, seeing it in all the detail and everything and discovering, yes, Cat Bus is definitely a boy. And uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah, shocking yeah. me, and then I rewatched them. Like, oh, oh. Yeah, okay. yeah, no, no, VHS version. No. <laughs> well, That's actually, recent, re- recently, I had the absolute like joy of um, uh, having my brother walk in on me watching Pompaco. <laughs> and, and he and he just sort of like walked past, and he was like, "Oh, Dan's watching another Japanese cartoon." All right, fine. And I was like, "No, wait." Two seconds, <laughs> <laughs> and he, and he was like, "What is happening? Uh, how is this? How is this on TV at eleven o'clock in the afternoon in the in the morning?" I wondered that myself, actually. Like, oh, okay, that's like completely uncut, and it's it's anatomically anat- correct, though. Sorry, sorry un- uncut is the wrong word to use about that <laughs> area. <laughs> 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 sorry, sorry, it's fine. It's fine. sorry. Um, yeah. So, it, but it's like you. It's it's not rewatching the film. Isn't like watching a film like. I don't know, like a plot-heavy film where it's like, oh, I've seen that story. I know how that story ends. That's the opposite of the point of this film. Mm-hmm. It's the main thing is the experience of watching it. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's like you get to rediscover it 
even more than like rewatching uh, Macbeth or something. It's like, oh yeah, here's here's that bit. Like it's it washes over you just in a in a more magical way, really, than any other type of storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, Cat Bus, we can all agree, regardless of uh, of gender, Cat Bus is amazing, and the design of that thing is fantastic. I'm, I'm going to say because of gender, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah, so, like, we're jumping ahead of it. They've only just got into this new house. Yes, we are. We and, are they've, and, they've, and they've met, like, they've met the boy Canter. Oh, right. <laughs> I almost who, originally forgot about him in this movie, but then I'm like, oh, who, I remember him. It's like, and it was weird watching this film uh, today because it was like, it almost played, like in hindsight, I mean, obviously it wasn't this because it was made in 1988, mm-hmm. but it almost plays like a greatest hits of Miyazaki. Like, the boy is wearing a sailor's hat, right? He is. Like, the boy in Ponyo. Um... One of my favorite things about that boy is in the production notes for Totoro, like in the, um, it's called like a project proposal. Hmm. Uh, Miyazaki says about him, like, he, what what's say about him? He's a simple boy with simple desires and a simple mind, and he likes planes, and that's that. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah, he has. He has a a, a figure plane or like a model plane. Oh, yeah, like like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh well, okay. Later on, when he when you see the plane, that plane is exactly the same plane that is in um, the Wind Rises at the I'm, start. I'm not surprised by of that. Dream, right? Oh. It's it's it plays like Miyazaki's greatest hits because he's got the soot sprites which are in Spirited Away and yep and. You know, it's 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 all there. It's all it's all it's very much of a piece. And like Miyazaki, he's conscious of that. He riffs on his own stuff a lot. <laughs> and there are things like, you know, quite obvious ones like in Ponyo when the mum says like "unhappy as can be," like the song of Totoro. Oh, oh, right, right. And then yeah. there are like less obvious ones which are like him reusing compositions which you'll only notice if you're a freak like me and you've like you know watched these films far too much <laughs> anyway so yeah they move into this house and like it's a, a fixer upper yep it's a, I think I remember the, the exact line when they are, the family pulls up and the girls are run out in a rush to see their new home and they look at the state of it, it's like, and they're like, it's completely, like, it's, it's like a complete wreck. And they're just screaming, like, happily, oh, my God, our house is a wreck. And they start playing with um, one of the old uh, banisters or, like, wood um, pillars. and One of the supporting pillars. Yeah, one of the supporting pillars. And it's just completely <laughs> rotted out. And they yeah. are just having a blast of pushing this thing around and this, like, wooden debris is falling. I think one uh, a block of wood clocks May in the head. 
but they just keep going. They just keep rolling with it. They're super excited, regardless of the state of the house. They're super um, excited to be here. I mean, if I did that as a kid, I would, you know, I'd be on the floor because I'd just be like whacked around the head for being such a pain, and you know, not that wouldn't at all been appreciated. But well, their you know, dad's very chill. Like, he is. The, he deserves some kind of parenting war because he is yeah he he kind of knows and you can there's so much in this movie it's it's kind of genius like where you're reading between the lines mm-hmm. and with that he kind of just goes okay they need to let off some steam because we've been on the road and you know we're in a new exciting place and they just need to do whatever they need to do like and he just sort of lets them get on with it and he kind of gives them jobs to do too. When once they've initially gotten a lot of the exploration out of their system, he gives them a job to do, like go look for the stairs for the upper floor because we need to open and we need to air that out. And then they, yeah. just, they take off like lightning, just you know. And all the throughout the sequence, you get like you get the real setup of their relation, uh, May and Sasuke's relationship, where May is like repeating everything that Satsuki says. Oh, yeah. That's like, it's little... rotten! It's rotten! And, like, it's, you know, uh, the tree! Oh, there's a tree! And that is she's... very true. It's... That is a quintessential younger sibling behaviour. But yeah. isn't it unbelievable that it's, it's, it's one of those, like, observations which is so good that you've never seen it in a film before. Like, mm-hmm. at least done this that well, that truthfully. Yes. Yeah, it, I... He absolutely nails the... Yeah, uh... Uh, older and younger sibling thing like it's mm-hmm. it's scary how good it is well not not just any any type of siblings because siblings can have different types of relationships with each other depending on how old the you know the age difference between them but sure. you, and you can tell that there is you know satsuki is definitely a lot older than may but they still have the such a good relationship with each other like that may can be following satsuki around and satsuki you know doesn't mind like we're as most you know some other siblings would like like stop following me i want to be by myself well there's she the whole thing her and do what her thing do her own thing there's the whole thing that the film doesn't drop until like i think like minute 15 or maybe mm-hmm. 20 which is mom's ill yes and like she's not just she's in a hospital and it's implied like i think just through context please that she has like tb is that right yeah i don't know if they specific because i remember it's never said but yeah which is like another genius part of the film because like a lesser film would explain that to you but because it's from their point of view it's just look mum's in hospital mm-hmm. and the other thing the film could have done <laughs> very easily is for them to visit her in hospital and for it to be like sentimental mm. it could have been like you know which is I, I think this is one of the worst hospital scenes in modern cinema not a bad film but Guardians of the Galaxy it could have been oh in the beginning it could have been cloyingly sentimental and it's not the mum smiles because mm. she's putting on a brave face for the kids mm-hmm. and that's something else you can read between the lines so you know the reality is she's in the hospital but you know, like an even truer reality is that she's putting on a brave face for her kids. Yeah, she is. And it's like, it's something that I spoke to Chris about this off air. Like, it's the whole situation of having a loved one be in hospital and 
I mean, the film just sort of nails that limbo that life becomes when that happens. Yeah. And the feel, and and even like that thing with the mum putting on a brave face. I've seen that. Like, I I've done that when I was a kid as well. Like, I've visited grandparents in hospital. My mum would be like, "Oh, he doesn't look very well," and I'm like, "Oh, but he was smiling." And she's like, "Yeah, he was." He was like, you know, and then I realized now, oh, they were smiling because I was there. It wasn't that, you know, once the door shut and we left, it was back to, you know, recovering in silence or in another reality. Stasis. Yeah. yeah. So being in a so hospital if, is being in stasis more or more or less in terms of, you know, because you have to, you know, you have to take care of yourself and recover, but it's like, it, not much really happens. It's, well, it's boring, I think is the main thing. Yeah, it's boring. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's kind of set up now. Mm-hmm. You understand, oh, they have moved because mum, and that's like the first point at which like the film's like real underlying beating heart like reveals itself, and then everything you see the dad do after that you realize is a very good dad. Like he is, he is being playful for the kids. Mm-hmm. And it's Especially not like moving into a new place too, which is, I love the, you know, the night, their first night in that new house and the wind, you know, is they're worried the wind's going to blow down the house while they're all taking a bath together. And he just yeah. starts laughing just as a way to keep the girls like, you know, not thinking about the, you know, if that did happen. Yeah, because, like, the film, yeah, they, they discovered the Soot Sprites at the start. I think made up, actually. Mm-hmm. And, actually, yeah. The first Supernatural... Or... That's Supernatural number one. Yeah. Uh, and she, she thinks she captures it, and her hands are just filthy. <laughs> she, she gets in trouble for that. Tracks um, it around the house. The thing that I think that we haven't actually said about the film yet, which is, I feel part of the whole, like, it being Miyazaki's first most personal film mm-hmm. at that point is it's a very Japanese film. Yes. Like it's, it, it's such a good film that it has universal themes and it plays like gangbusters to any culture. That being said, it's very Japanese. Well, yeah. Um, Taken away from that when you're in the Japanese countryside. Well, you no, know, it's obviously aimed at an international audience. The film envisages a serious, disorientated combination of cultures that produces a nowhere land more confusing than fascinating. The characters, despite obvious Japanese names, have Anglo features. Didn't you know that? No. This I am quoting. <laughs> I am quoting from the review published by Variety in 1993. Oh my goodness. Which by. By someone called Leonard Clady, who um, did not take to Totoro. Um, yeah, who, uh, yeah, the, uh, he describes it as um, displaying no more than adequate television technical craft. This simple family saga poses no threat to the commercial dominance of Disney cartoons. Are you kidding me? I'm sorry, I'm not. This is a genuine review published by a professional. Well, so he's okay, but the thing, professional. He's like he's the guy who, who is like at the car show, and he sees, he sees Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, 
and he's like, what's that piece of junk? I much prefer Lightning McQueen over here. Rise's director, Hayao Miyazaki, has essentially padded a television half hour into a sluggish theatrical feature. With a half-century of Disney full animation at one's disposal, the rigid backgrounds and limited character movements appear dull and crude when viewed on a large screen. The muted pastels, homogenised pictorial style and vapid storyline all add up to an extremely lonely neighbourhood when Totoro moves into theatres. How can one person be so wrong? About everything. He... That hurts me. Though all of those words from describing Totoro hurts me. The thing is, is like all those things that he said is what I like. The pacing, the fact that it's the antithesis to Disney style at the time. Like because around guess this, what? There's more thing. There's more to animation than Disney, folks. That yeah. That's and I think this is why um, the film becomes popular, mm-hmm. right? And particularly in because it's my understanding that it was vaguely shown on TV a bit more in uh, country in like places like Italy and other European countries. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's I mean like around like ten years ago is when you started seeing it being parodied on like South Park. Mm-hmm. And Bob's Burgers, like before the turkey is amazing. It's it's incredible, but like they couldn't have done that weirdly enough with a movie with the movie like you know fifteen years ago, mm-hmm. and around like yeah ten years ago I think is when people like started to oh rediscover it like at least in. In English-speaking territories. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it's become more iconic, I feel like, since then. And to the point where when you see, hear people talking about animation, it's like, oh, you know, I don't... You know, P- P- Pixar Disney is fine, but I love the Japanese stuff. And they mean Totoro. <laughs> the, the thing is, is that actually Totoro is not even typical of Japanese animation. Miyazaki went against the grain in Japan. Like Japanese animation was just as brash and commercial and um, hyperactive, especially in the yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it took a lot for him to fight through that. And I think it's like it's very easy to forget that it's it's still it's not the norm. Like there's there's Japanese animation and then there's Ghibli and it's not to like put it above everything else but it's it's different it's working off a different uh you know rule book well I think it's easy to forget that Totoro you know at the time was was going against the grain in uh in, in Japanese cinema and you know animation because of how successful and how marketed you know how it's marketed now with, you know, the Totoro plushies and everything, like, you know, you would assume that, oh, this had to have been a hit from the beginning, and it was a, you know, I'm sure it did, it did catch on, but it's just, I mean, there are certain things, reasons than people might, there's, yeah, I think there are certain things which he did, which are like, he knew were going to be good, like, having the song, like, Mm -hmm. he knew that was going to be, like, an appealing, cool thing to do for kids, like, to have Mm -hmm. the song at the start, where it's like, 
here's a song to start the film. And it's very sort of, he, he, he's writing like that perfect line of speaking to kids at their level mm-hmm. without being condescending. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's not quite as bad as like an illumination film finishing with a song and a dance. Yeah. Like for some reason that feels more cynical than a gentle little film with like kazoos. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Anyway, but it's, it's a very Japanese film and it's got things in it that are just like, uh, that Miyazaki was kind of accused of being nostalgic. Well, it's not just, you know, and it, it's a particular time period in Japan, too, that maybe not first. Because I, at first, when I started watching the film, I wasn't entirely 100% what, when this was supposed to be set. But yes. then, I, I, not until I looked into it, this is post-war. This yes. is post-war. Oh, yes, Japan. definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I guess it, I should have, you know, I it clicked with me now, rewatching the movie and seeing... Um, oh my gosh, the boy's name again. Can uh, the, the the boy who like shows up? He's wearing the hat, right? Kanta. Uh, like, oh, Kanta. He's wearing the, the 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 sailor hat, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, post war. I, I guess that kind of like is supposed to be a visual cue for that, but I'm not sure. He might. I I always for the longest time thought he was just wearing a nice hat, nice little sailor hat. One of the ideas yeah. is yeah. supposed to be at a time before. They say time before television. I mean, television existed in the 50s, but the average Japanese family wouldn't have had one. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's the idea. Yeah. yeah, I think... It's supposed to be when people played outside. The, yeah. That was the t- yeah, that's the typical Miyazaki answer where it's like, it's not set in any particular year or any particular country. It's just, I mean, although this is obviously Japan in this mm-hmm. case. Yeah, he just, he wanted it to be before television because he was done with, you know, the creeping. I mean, like in the eighties was when like video games started to, to creep into homes and things. I'm sure Miyazaki saw those and thought, you know, they were not the devil, but you know, didn't like them. Didn't like them at all. I think Miyazaki, he's, he's like a big barrel. He said himself, he's a barrel of contradictions. He was working in TV. He was contributing to that culture, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, it, but yeah, this was his film sort of just trying to yeah, get, get, get away from it, basically. It's um, like, kids, watch this movie, then go outside. I mean, they're, they're like, it's funny, yeah. speaking of video games too, like there are always those, every now and again, there are those video games that after you beat the game, it's like, congratulations, you've beat the game. Now go outside. <laughs> Do yourself yeah. a favor and go outside, take a victory lap. Well, this is, yeah, and like when the film got very popular, actually, mm-hmm. and mothers would run up to him saying, oh, I, uh, my kid watches your film every day. He was like horrified. He was <laughs> like, he was like, you know. It's like, no, let, no, they should yeah, be outside. They should be watching that video as a treat. And I think he said like once, like, they should watch a film like on their birthday and that's it. <laughs> it's not, which is... Which wow. is kind of, yeah, I think that's a bit much, but you know, I, the point is, is that he, 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 he made it as that. But he's yeah, he, but he, he actually like put out a piece in, um, I think like the there was a 
uh, a thing called a Roman album, which is like a big magazine yeah. that was released along with the film. And they still release them now with uh, anime movies. Mm-hmm. And there was an interview in there, and he was like saying, his main his headline was that this is not a nostalgia piece. It's it's great that if you feel nostalgic watching it, but that wasn't his intention going in. His intention mm. was to, uh, yeah, like rediscover the things that he liked about childhood, mm-hmm. and w- with that newfound like love of nature kind of thing. And I think yeah. like there is a film which is. You know, you've seen nostalgia pieces, and it's it, mm-hmm. it it's Stranger Things. It's something that kind of feels a little bit like it's trying too hard. A little bit, yeah. And I think this film just about escapes that. Like, there's enough where where, like you're saying, it puts you in the time, but and then there's enough where it's like, oh, this is just a story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the only hint that really picked up on was like even before I picked up on the the hat that Kanto was wearing was the old older phones um was the only other real context clue about the actual you know when this was taking place other than that it was just like it was just a nice little story in rural Japan that's and really... the fact and the fact that there's like one phone in the village yes like, there's that yeah and then, yeah there's one go next door to borrow their phone and there's one school, yeah, that was is small enough to allow like a someone like from another age group. Oh right, in for I an afternoon. That. Yeah, so so like okay, so like kind of going through the movie, May goes Satsuki goes to school. Um, she's sort of like she's becoming like a surrogate mum for May a little bit. Yeah, she makes bento lunches for all of them. Very Japanese, like she, yeah, she makes she makes the lunch boxes for them, uh, and she sort of like she assumes like some of the roles of mum, like mm-hmm. she talks to May in that way that older siblings sometimes do, but also kind of like with a mother, I like the kind of like the tone of a mom too. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, so like dad's working from home he's getting on with this stuff. And what begins is probably my favorite sequence of the film. <laughs> it's, I think it's about 15 minutes. Maybe it might I be. Think, no, you're left. right. I think it's just about that long. My favorite sequence is just from dad working and may running around the garden going, you'll you be the flower shop. And then she's sort of like, she just is discovering the garden basically. Yeah, she's having and, a little day out. And then she sees the first tiny little creature. Mm-hmm. And it's like a beautiful silent film. Like, it, it just, you know, the whole chase where she chases it underneath the house and she waits. And there's that shot, which is just, like, impressively long. where <laughs> She's just waiting. And the only thing moving is a butterfly. Oh and, no! Yeah, I love that shot because she's just she's just like dead set focused on that hole, waiting for anything and anything to come out. You see the like an entire sequence of the butterfly flying by her, and then just at the end, you see the two now two creatures sneaking out from a completely different exit point, and they're only she only catches on when they actually start dropping acorns and they just take off into the woods. And this is a uh, this is worth pointing out. This is about 
uh, about half an hour into the movie. Yes. And this is um, apparently Miyazaki wanted to have originally wanted to have Totoro in the first scene, and Toshio Suzuki suggested that you should tease the audience and not have him until later. And he said, apparently, he said, "Look at ET." <gasps> what? Really? I am absolutely shocked to hear that. Not because it's unexpected, but because I had a theory about why this became popular and ET being one of the main factors. Huh. That that wow, mind blown. Yeah, this was on the special features on the Blu-ray. But I saw it well, today. there it is. There it is because like it's easy it's easy to forget like how E.T. was the biggest film of all time. It really was huge. And like worldwide it made a massive impact. So it's kind of impossible for Miyazaki not to have been influenced by E.T. at the time that Totoro came out. Like whether he liked it or not. <laughs> but no, I yeah, love I like, that. I like the idea that I mean, even it would have been interesting to see what Miyazaki would have wanted to do in terms of, you know, having him in the first scene. But I do appreciate that they decided to go with that idea of building up to that reveal because then it makes the the sudden his sudden appearance or at least his appearance in the film a lot more special because just May just finds him. She's she's chasing the two creatures. She's reaching for the you know, grabbing the acorns as she goes finds her way to the big tree, falls into the roots, and then, boom, she's on his belly. I wonder how, how much screen time he actually has. It's like, Not a whole heck of a lot in the grand scheme of things. It's, 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 that, it's that classic ratio of, like, Jaws and the Joker and the Dark Knight. Except this the isn't... The T-Rex in, in Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah. Except this isn't a man-eater or a child-eater. This is a friendly forest spirit. Well, it looks like one, but May isn't... May is not afraid. No, she's not afraid. She's not afraid. And she's not a liar. No, she's certainly not a liar. She's not a liar and she's not afraid. And she's (laughs) the best. And she's funny. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so, like, this is... uh, You can't really... I I mean, the star of that scene as well. So, two things about that previous scene. Mm -hmm. Animated by Makiko Futaki. Oh, yes, yes. My favorite, best, you know, the superstar who did Pony Running on the Waves and the mm. the forest god in Mononoke and everything that's great in that's the world. So... Um, so she animated that. And she also animated the next scene where May meets Totoro. And that's, that's the scene that, like, gets... is iconic and is always shown, like, whenever there's like even a passing reference to Miyazaki on TV. It's like, that's the scene. It's May on Totoro. And that's the thing that's like parodied in South Park. um, But like the star of this, like in that scene, it's just the animation and the music. Mm -hmm. And the music is like, I think it's maybe the best well, yeah, it's hard to, it's stupid to say best, but it's like, it's a really, really good mm-hmm. score. Mm-hmm. And the film is 90 minutes, and the score runs 45 minutes. Wow. That gives you an idea how many quiet scenes there are in this movie. That's impressive. 
Yeah, it's it's very impressive, and I think that's like that has a lot to do with um, Takahata. Because mm. don't forget, like at the time, um, Miyazaki and Takahata were they they were rivals, but they were you know they they've been working together for years. Yeah, and there was they spoke about you know to each other a lot, and um, Takahata made lots of suggestions. He was actually the one who suggested uh, the art director, Kazuo Olga, mm. to Miyazaki, which I'm sure he probably was kicking himself for, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when the film finished. But, um, yeah, like I think that's the other star of the film, is Kazuo Olga. Okay, who, gotcha. Um, it was his first film working with Miyazaki. Huh. Um, and he worked with Miyazaki like up until I think his last film might have been uh, *House Moving Castle*. Mm-hmm. That was the last film that he worked with Miyazaki on, and he is like the one who is. You could probably credit him for the Ghibli background look. Okay. Yeah. Because up until that point, like you know, Nausicaa and uh La Puta are very pretty films but the the Ghibli look the one that becomes the sort of albatross around Miyazaki's neck for the neck like for the rest of his career is this is like the trees and the lushness yeah the very and the realism backgrounds yeah and um Kazuo Ogre, yeah, I think he's like the unsung star of this film for mm-hmm. me. Um, he painted like lots of the key backgrounds, and um, later on in the film, one of the most amazing things he does is slowly, through no trickery, just with cuts, shows uh, uh, an early summer evening drawing in. Mm-hmm. And the background slowly, you know, go through the uh, goes go through sunset basically. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we were with May, and she's seen Totoro, and she tells Dad and Satsuki, and they don't believe her. Actually, no, they don't. They don't not believe her. Satsuki doesn't believe her, but Dad yeah, is like he humors in a in a good parenting uh, maneuver. He humors her and besides, you you were really super lucky. You got to meet. Like the Lord of the Mountain, or the Lord of this forest. Yeah, and Satsuki's like jealous. Yeah, no, she is. Why did I get that? God, I made you lunch, and this is, you know, like this is no good. I don't get Um, to see this super cool thing. Yeah, and that was something that Miyazaki like he he made because he had like this one image of a girl at bus stop. That was it for ages, Mm -hmm. and then at some point he realized. Okay, well, for a kid, he was very logical. He was like, okay, for a kid to be at a bus up in the dark, they've got to kind of be old enough to be doing that. Yeah. And But he was like, but also, it only makes sense that a young girl would be able to see these little creatures. Mm-hmm. Like, he thinks there's something special about being yes. very young and seeing things, right? The magic and, of being young. And it, yeah, And it makes a lot of sense. So he was like, oh, okay, well, I guess it has to be two girls mm-hmm. and then he's like well I can make them sisters and then that was when the story actually started to that everything else came up to that 
That's really cool. I love it how that it, it really starts with that one scene that everyone like we you know you, if you look at the poster for even Ghibli Fest, it is the shot of Totoro and the two girls in the rain. It's um, it's unbelievably iconic. Mm-hmm. Even to the point now, when you see a bus stop in in an animated film, you're like, is that a Totoro reference? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that's, it is that very scene where they are going to meet um, their father who has gone to work in the university for the day and he's taking a train and bus back and it's been pouring rain and the girl's like, well, he forgot his umbrella, so we should go and take him his umbrella when he gets off the bus. So they go, they get to the bus stop, they wait. The bus that they thought was carrying him wasn't wasn't the one, so they wait for hours and hours. May falls asleep and Satsuki being the good older sister carries her on her back. Um, and then while they're waiting, Totoro just kind of appears out of nowhere and is just standing in the rain with the leaf on his face or on his head to stop the rain. And Satsuki gives him the umbrella. And I love the animation on Totoro here because when he's at first he's trying to figure out how to hold the umbrella. And then she's like, no, you've got to hold it like this. And then he holds it. And then he starts realizing that the raindrops that were always bugging him when he was standing there are not bugging him anymore. And he's, like, really super happy about this. Yeah. And, like, you wouldn't think of that, would you? I am always stunned by that moment because it's like, oh, yeah, he wouldn't know how to hold the umbrella. <laughs> oh, no. He's... he's... He's a forest spirit. He's just kind of like, I've, I've just used what's naturally around me. This is a strange and magical thing you gifted me here. Yeah, yeah. And his way of thanking her is by, you know, like becoming the most terrifying thing in the forest. So <laughs> she's not... <laughs> no, he, yeah, he jumps and... Uh... And all the rain stops. The rain literally like does a quick downpour and then it just stops. I'm like... If you could stop it from the beginning, uh, uh, why did you? <laughs> why were you just? Oh, I never read it. Like I read it as like, ah, uh, yeah. I guess it really does stop off at that point. I read that as just like he's shaking all of the loose droplets in the tree. Oh yeah, I guess like that, that. Yeah, that would make sense. And the rain has stopped anyway. Mm. See, the film does this. It's so tricky. It's like there are lots of moments where it's like, oh, did that happen, or is that? Because when they find was it a dream May, or not a dream? We'll get there later. But was it a dream or not a dream? Yeah, exactly. So okay, uh-huh. but but this is when the film introduces uh, its main star, <laughs> the frog. I'm sorry. I know I want to talk about the frog, but there's no better scene ender <laughs> than just like. Everyone's just absolutely elated because they've met the cat last of Victoria, and it's like, how do you end that scene? There's no other way than just the good old. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that was Miyazaki. You think so? Yeah, as the voice of the frog. <laughs> That'd be funny. Well, isn't that because they have the frog, or no? Like they show the frog while they're at the bus stop, and then the father comes back after Totoro has gone off on the cat bus. And, you know, they're, the girl, like you said, the girls are super excited. They both got to meet Totoro again, and we're just, are telling him all about it. And well, Satsuki's, like, met him. Like, she's not seen him before. Yeah. So she's like, this is the best. It's so good. She writes her mom. Mm-hmm. It's the best thing that's ever happened to her in her stupid little life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> harsh. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, but I mean, yeah, this is like this is when the tent pole scenes like begin. Yeah, these are like the films that like become. These are the scenes that become the most iconic, and the ones which are like, like it just I I just can't get over the fact that he had the confidence to Miyazaki had the confidence to just go like mm-hmm. these scenes are enough to be my tentpole scenes in the film. Yeah. I have enough confidence that I can, I can imbue these scenes with as much interest and life. And charm. Lots of charm too. And, 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 and heck of a lot of charm. Uh, for them to be enough. I don't know many other filmmakers in live action or animation who would have that confidence. Um, because it's skills. so easy to do wrong. It's so easy to, to, to make that, to have something like that or have the idea of doing something like that and then missing the mark because you're not, like, you don't really get to the soul of the moment, but he well, yeah, it, found it works. a way to do it. It works because it's grounded and he's got like, okay, he, he just runs through the logic again of like, okay, well, there are two girls. Okay, they're at the bus stop. Okay, what's happening? Well, one's falling asleep. How do kids fall asleep? And he like does the perfect you know, thing where like she may like catches her head falling. Yes, yes. And then Satsuki's like, okay, you're too tired to stand. So I'll give you a piggyback. And she gives you a piggyback. And she's like kind of awkwardly propping the, the all umbrella, of that stuff. Yeah. All of that stuff is why the scene works, because it's like it's grounding it in the reality that when Totoro appears, it seems unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, and the yeah, the frog is the best. What's what was that? What was that to say? <laughs> what else Very is good looking say? frog. I was <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, we skipped the scene about school, which is quite sweet. Oh yeah, I I did enjoy that too. We're, because we're... like that's the first day that like the dad is away from university and May's left with Granny. Yeah. And she, but she wants to be with her sister because it's so typical, isn't it? Yeah, like, it's so typical of a kid that age who's missing her mom to cause a scene. Yeah, and the, to the point where it's like the person, the only person that she can reach out to would be, which was you know her sibling. It's like she, like she, like she did literally demanded to come to school. To yeah, and then yeah. I, you know, surprisingly, they wouldn't allow this nowadays. She is allowed to sit in the class. I don't know if that's like a nowadays thing. I think that's more like a country thing. Uh, <laughs> that was how I read that. I read okay. that as like, like we are the only school for miles, and there is not a play group. There's not a kindergarten where she can go. She yeah, yeah fine, she can join. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm sorry we didn't we didn't talk about that earlier because I did actually really enjoy that scene. It's I'm not important. I just like May because she's funny and like she's drawing and she's like, yeah. I was like, what's that? And she's like, well, it's Totoro, of course. It's... <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, my, it's Totoro, of course. Like the name of the thing that I literally just made up because he actually can't tell me what his name is because I don't know if he can actually talk. He just talks and roars. Well, this is, okay, this is the other thing is that um, Miyazaki consciously wanted Totoro to not be um, an understandable thing. Yeah. He he wanted it to be a he, he just knew he wanted to be a large character, mm-hmm. and he wanted the ambiguity of whether it was smart or whether it was stupid. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. if it was there or if it was not. And like he asked the animators to look like um, in the um, in the Roman album actually for the film, mm-hmm. uh, which I've got. There, there are like notes where it says like uh, make make sure it, like he's not actually looking directly at anything. Hmm. Have his eyes like slightly his pupils slightly too far apart. So it looks oh, like he's okay. totally spaced out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> like, the thing that I think that is that I want to um, completely dispel because the meme has completely ruined it. Oh no. Is, is that Miyazaki has, memes? Miyazaki has a sense of humor. And he was being interviewed about Totoro and he said like, yeah, and the other thing is that I knew he needed a big smile because kids are simple and you show them a big smile and they're like, oh, it's fine. There's the smile. You know, it's... <laughs> so he, he, was, he was like, he's playing the audience. He was playing his audience there mm-hmm. very much. He's like, look, there's a smile. Fine. It's fine. He's a scamp. Uh, yeah. And, oh yeah, we kind of, there's the cat bus. I mean, we're not skipping over it but no it's... yeah that, it's that very scene with the bus when they think oh that's dad's bus it's like no it is a giant cat bus it's it's still really creepy <laughs> i i don't trust it still it's it's amazing cat bus <laughs> it's amazing i'm more freaked out by it <laughs> I, I well, never really nice understood for them though it doesn't well, we'll get there to the end of the film but it does something nice for them it does. I just, like most people, I just get, um, I mainly get Chesh- Cheshire Cat vibes from it. That's fair. And, and and it's right to be unnerved by something that reminds you of the Cheshire Cat, because the Cheshire Cat can be very unnerving. Um, Miyazaki's explanation of the cat bus is, what if there was like a cat spirit thing, and it saw a bus one day, and it decided, oh, that looks like fun. So I'll be a bus from now on. That's so great! I love that explanation. <laughs> which is, yeah, the only explanation you need for something which is also apparently the wind. It's perfect. Fine. Um, all right, so... Uh, Do you think it used after- to be like cat cart or something? Cart, cat, like, used to be some more arcane... Maybe it used to be a train... And then it became cat bus replacement service. Okay, here's the thing. Um, <laughs> I I've seen May and the Cat Kitten Bus. Yeah. The sequel. Mm-hmm. Have you guys seen that? No, no, I haven't. No, you can't see it without going. You, you you're not allowed to. to you're not allowed to see it. If you are a detective, you can see it. Oh. Uh, yeah, but like in that, there is a um, there's a, there is a kitten, there is a cat train, bus, cat oh bus my train, gosh. and there like there is a whole forest of them. <laughs> like Miyazaki just like absolutely just goes like, this is a sequel. Oh, why? Why can't they release this for everybody? It's not. <clears throat> I'll give the audience when he dies. That is when you're going to <laughs> not before then. Um. <laughs> Uh, but like, there's a cat airbus. 
Oh my god. Which is like uh, a giant Zeppelin with a cat bus face oh and god. it's got like literally hundreds of legs. Um, yeah, it's crazy. So, you know, there's a whole franchise wow. uh, waiting to be made. Uh, also, uh, in about 2008, there was an amazing project called the Totoro Forest Project organized in... Um, I, it was organized by uh, like some Pixar animators and artists and everything. Uh, uh-huh. I, I, I think the guy, <laughs> the guy who founded Tonko House. Uh, yeah. Okay. But yeah. do you know his? Do you know his actual Totoro connection? No. He has a very strong. To- his Totoro connection is that he is married to That's the right. girl. Oh. Upon who uh, Mae was based. <gasps> oh, that's wow. quite a strong connection. Yeah, he's like he married into like Ghibli royalty. I wow. you could say, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, they because he was on Japanese. He was on Japanese TV, like promoting Tonka House, and yeah, his, his his way of like getting the kids on his side was I'm married to Mae. Right? <laughs> that's <laughs> wild. To raise money for the Totoro Forest Project, they um, got loads of artists from around the world to do Totoro-inspired artwork. Um, there was a... Uh, it's got people like Pete Doctor and uh, uh, amazing people like that. Um, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. It's a super, super, super like limited edition artwork. Yes, I have. <gasps> I didn't... What? I'm shocked. I have it. I am... Um, yeah. I yeah, there's the, the there's the one of Sully with uh, Totoro at the bus stop, right? Oh, oh there like, no! There was like a few what? hours in which you could get it, and Damn. I, I was what? I was working, and I had my parents like, "Can you not go there? Can they help me out? Can they <laughs> get it to me?" And it's my pri- well, my one of my most prized possessions. I dude, I bet it. Yeah, that's you can't get that book anymore. I, don't I mean, know. you can if you want to spend hundreds of dollars on it. But yeah. No. Why is this a piece of artwork with Sully and Totoro in the same frame, and no one told me? <laughs> we are just about at the halfway point. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think okay. we're close to wrapping this up. I mean. All right. So so um. The next scene pretty much is the tree. They 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 plant the acorns that Totoro gives them, and yeah, and they do a little dance, and then the, it it turns into this gigantic tree, and then they wake up in the morning, and uh, the tree is not there, but the sprouts did indeed sprout. You know, the, the the things that they planted did indeed sprout, and they're like, oh, and they they start dan- you know, running around and giddy glee, like it was a dream, but not a dream. Yeah, like in any other movie, again, that that would be a joke. Like, the joke would be, uh, you dumb kids, you're just imagining that. Like, look, it's a tiny sprout. But the sprout is, like, such a triumph. Well, yeah, because they grew something. This was something that they worked hard and grew themselves. Yeah. They're proud of it. All right. So then, like, the film really just, like, what happens then is, um, like, it's in the morning. uh, Sasuke's with the with uh, grandma at the water pump i think they're 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 
picking up vegetables. I oh think. no, yeah, they are. Yeah, they're, sorry, they're picking up vegetables. The reason I mentioned the water pump is because that was apparently a very nostalgic thing mm, for Japanese mm-hmm. audiences, and in fact, it's like it hit so much that it's actually something you can do at the Ghibli Museum. Oh, in that's the garden. funny. Oh. There's like a water pump, and everyone tries it. Like it's oh, oh look at me <laughs> with a water pump. Like it's. <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah, okay, so pretty much from this point on, the film just like, it just barrels towards the end. Yeah, it like, it, it from, a, from a slow, steady pace, it goes to like, like, it, it turns in from like a, a tiny casual drive, Sunday drive to, uh, you know, Grand Prix. But my, is my, fa- my, my favorite type of movies do that, where it's like, they don't waste any time towards the no. end. Right, so they get the. T- uh, she's with she's with Granny, and um, Sasuke gets the telegram. Yes, which is like very trickily worded by some arsehole at the at the hospital saying at the hospital. Contact the hospital immediately, and it's just like, and of course Sasuke's like, oh no, something happened to mom. She, yeah, she's and it's something gets very sad and scary. Mm-hmm. And she's she's like, look, I gotta find mum. And May's there's there, no and she's in like, film, of course. There's, Sorry, Chris? there's no drama in this film, of course. There's variety, man. No look, drama. The gra- <sighs> there's no off Totoro, There's no greater drama than a kid being lost. And I mean, not that, that that's not true in life at either. But you know, it it is so sincere about it. It was, and that's what makes it, like, that's what makes the tension actually build in that sequence, because, I mean, also even the lead-up to that, where we have, you know, Sasuke trying to grapple with the situation that, you know, she, you know, she reaches out to her dad to try and, you know, get, you know, inform him, but she still has to deal with the idea of not knowing what's going on and what could possibly happen to her mom. Like, what the telegram means, like... The way Miyazaki frames that is uh, amazing. It's a very long shot mm-hmm. uh, when uh, when Sasuke's on the phone and she's trying to like she obviously needs to like connect to the operator and then she needs to make a long distance call. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, it, it's framed on her like in a profile shot. Yeah, yeah. And there's a certain um, way that Miyazaki uses profile shots. Uh, which is, I mean, usually the, the, the like conventional filmmaking rule is not to do them because they can have the effect of alienating. But mm-hmm. Miyazaki uses them and it's always uh, a very powerful shot whenever he uses a profile shot uh, because it feels like you are in the room watching her. Like that is the angle from which you would if you were panicking in the room, be, uh, yeah, you, that's the angle from which you'd see Satsuki. Um, yeah, it's something to look out for, like in his movies. He always, he's very sparing with his profile shots like that. And like in, in, in his fantasy films, they are like when the characters are taking in the epicness of the journey. That yeah. Um, I mean, but also like in, uh, I don't really, I don't really know what they mean, but they're in his films a lot and they're very powerful, mm-hmm. basically. Um, but we're, we're getting to it, guys. 
the next big star of Tot- we've we've spoken about him already. Yes, we have. Is is literally waiting for May around the corner. Yeah, yeah. Well, because the the lead up to that is the fact that you know when she gets the telegram, Satsuki gets the telegram, she runs off because she needs to get in touch with her dad, and she tells May, "No, you got to stay with Granny, stay here." But of course, as we all know, May is not afraid, and she's not a liar, so she runs right after. her. She's not afraid. She's gets, a little shit. She's gets, not a liar. And gets lost in the process of trying to find her big sister. Um, and, all the while carrying this ear of corn, which she's said she's going to give to her mom to help her feel better. And which, Yeah, which is, like, perfect. Yeah. And yeah. that's exactly when we run into our next star, which is that terrifying goat. The bloody goat. The <laughs> bloody goat. Like ear of corn's like, I want that. Uh, I, I was with a group of friends, like, in the summer, and um, we were just, like, uh, drinking at the pub, and someone mentioned, oh, I saw Totoro the other day. And the first thing my friend said, mm-hmm. who was next to me, when someone said, I saw Totoro, was he went, that bloody goat. The bloody goat. I'm sorry, that's got to be the episode title. <laughs> yeah. Please, uh, please so give up the episode title. She's arguing with um, <laughs> Satsuki's, you know, and... Uh, okay, and then Satsuki is, like, at her lowest point. Yeah, with, yeah. with grandma. She's mm-hmm. like, look, it's really bad. What if mom dies? Yeah. And... Um, May is watching this, and it's unclear whether she what she overhears. But the fact is that Satsuki is crying her eyes out, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like a weird. It's like it's she's actually drawn like a little bit more realistically. Yeah, she is. I noticed there's like a her her face changes a little bit in terms of to like to look more like a kid, not just like a idealist look of a kid, but a kid actual kid crying you know the face scrunches up and yeah I, I, me being a nerd i know who did it it was um <laughs> it was shinji shinji otsuka okay who um is like i mean by the time that ponyo comes out miyazaki calls him the most perfect animator oh wow that's um, quite high praise yeah he's like he's famed for by the time that, like, they're working on Princess Mononoke, um, for having scenes that no one corrects. Usually in Japanese That's animation. Impressive. Yeah, usually in Japanese animation, like, and I'm sure you've seen it on, like, behind the scenes things, like, Miyazaki will, like, slam down a new piece of paper and be like, no, this is how the character's drawn. And, you know, yeah, completely yeah, redraws the scene. Yeah, his way. Exactly. Apparently, Shinji Otsuka just gets it and <laughs> his thing's pretty much untouched. Anyway, yeah, so this is when May runs away. Yeah, so she wants to take that corn, that ear of corn that she protected from the goat. She wants to take it to her mom because she believes without She's the shadow of the doubt that it, well, without the shadow of the doubt, mom eats this, she'll get better and she'll come home. Mom eats it and it's, and it's not far. Yeah. <laughs> Which is all wrong. Yeah, like even the, like the, the you know, Grace is like, that would take a grown-up three hours to get to that hospital and she just took off, like... Yeah. Why? So the, the thing that like absolutely makes my heart like it doesn't make my heart sink. It like the bottom drops out of my stomach. 
mm-hmm. is the way the scene plays out. Yeah. Where it's not big that she's lost. It's not like, oh, man, he's missing. It's yeah. just, he starts doing shots of Tatsuki going, May? And then there's no answer. Mm-hmm. And then, like, she's in a bigger area. May? No answer. It's 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 a it's a very slow build, but it's, a... it's but that's how it feels when someone goes missing. Like, yeah. you, if you've ever like you know been out with a kid in a busy area, like you lose, you lose them for a minute. <laughs> it's like yeah, it, yeah, and exactly. Puts herself ragged too. Like even when they realize that she's not there anymore, and you know she runs around she's you know talking to farmers out in the fields you know a person just driving by like have you seen a little girl she's four she and runs into an asshole on, the, on a bike yes who screams at her really loudly he's like you idiot well, what are you jumps, doing because she jumps in front she jumps in front of the motorcycle is what he he's going not full speed but you know Fast enough that he could have hurt a small child and he not stopped in time. He's like such a jerk, and he's got like the sweetest spoken girlfriend. <laughs> Apparently, he's so timid, and she's like, "Oh," and and then she finds out where she's from, like how far she's walked. Yeah, how far she, yeah, it, how far she's traveled to try. And he just goes like, "Wow, gee, wow, good luck to you." <laughs> just, like, yeah, that, it, it's at that point I'm like, "Wow, you're a jerk. You're not going to even offer to help." Like, that's awful. <laughs> Yeah, and but, then um, so oh, and then like Counter uh, yeah. uh, arrives and he's like, "Look, they found a sandal in the pond." I'd forgotten about that scene. I'm like, "Oh no! Oh no! 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 No!" Even after, even though I've seen this movie, I know how it ends. And it just it it from the second that happened, he, it, the film just cuts to the pond, mm-hmm. and you see the sandal in the pond, mm-hmm. which is another Miyazaki riff because it's the the shoe in the water in mm-hmm. in uh, Chihiro as well. Yeah, Spirited Away. But, like, it's yeah, it's 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 very bad news. And then uh, May runs, uh, Satsuki runs to where they found the shoe with Granny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all these and, people are helping her out, trying to get, get the shoe and look around to see if they can, you know, if this was indeed maze and if she's actually in that pond but Satsuki well this is the only breath. scene where I think Miyazaki just about just about plays his luck and just about gets away with it Yeah, is he plays that beat so long when Granny's like is it her shoe yeah and like there's a pause where like Satsuki's like catching my breath mm-hmm. and it's like it's a little bit shitty like it's a very dramatic thing to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, to play that beat. And he really does drag that moment out. He does. But it's, but it's not hers. and she. So then, like... Everyone takes a deep breath, like, oh, thank God. Yeah, so as he turns the tree and she sees a tree in the distance, she's like, oh, I've got to go see Totoro. I've got to see my mate. Like, I've tried, I've tried looking and asking everyone I can find. I'm out of options. I need to go talk to Totoro. Yeah, and at her lowest point is when she's granted access to Totoro's mm. lair for the first time. Yep. When, you know, she's only in, like, a classic fairy tale thing. She's only uh, able to see him when it is, like, needed. Yes, yeah. Um, which is, like, the thing about the film is, I think Miyazaki said, like, he wanted to consciously avoid fairy tale 
or folktale influences. Mm-hmm. And whilst there are not direct influences, they're not direct references. Yeah. It's 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 like it's it's hard to ignore in the tradition. Yeah. It's very hard to ignore. And so, like, basically, Totoro goes. <laughs> he goes like, uh, you know. Oh, I'll, just, I'll just call the bus. And then the bus <laughs> I'll arrives. call you a bus! But it's almost like, and I, I don't, it's not a damning thing to say at all, but like, it's almost like the film is like looking at its watch and going, we're going to wrap this shit up. And like, <laughs> and, the, and, the, and, the, and the, the sign on the cat bus just goes like, hospital May. Yeah. It's, just going to find it, May. It's it's delightful. I don't know. I don't know how he gets away with it, but it's one of those things where, like in practice, it does. Mm-hmm. On paper, it doesn't. On paper, like if that was in a script, you'd be like, "No." Oh, isn't like, that silly? Yeah, yeah, but it's it's it just comes at the right time in the film, mm-hmm. and you buy it. Mm-hmm. And like poor May, she's gotten herself quite badly lost. Like, yeah. She had no. She had no plan <laughs> to get about that. No, no, especially if this is probably the only few times she's gone to this hospital. She's been riding with her dad on a bicycle, and it's just like, well, I could have sworn I was paying attention to the road signs, but I really, in all honesty, she's obviously like fallen over a few times, and she's all like, oh my gosh. It breaks breaks your heart. Breaks your heart. Yeah, um, and it's pretty much just like from that point, cuts to the hospital, and you get like a, a great little scene with the dad and the mom. Mm-hmm. Find out she's actually all right. She's not dying. No. Yeah, she was like, I don't know why they called you. Like, that I had a cold, <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out like she's probably going to be like in there a week longer. Yeah, um, yeah, it's like yeah. It not long enough. I mean, just a little bit longer, but not long enough that's like, oh, this is really serious. Like, no, she's she's just she's fine. But the, yeah. what's really, I think that that review based that bad old review. Mm. says somebody, says oh, you know, turns out to be a cold or whatever. But the point is, it's from their perspective that it's, it, you know, it's this big apocalyptic possible event. But, yeah, so this scene is, is lovely. And the, there's a line that I picked out where the dad just says, we learn to cope. Mm. Which is, you know, the film in a nutshell, basically. Yeah. They learned to cope, whether it was for him, like believing in all of that stuff and playing along with it, and uh, and for the kids, it being real. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's so good, but it's so easy. I, I can understand where that review would be coming from. Like, it's it, it's easy to watch this film and mistake its lightness of touch for nothing at all. Mm-hmm. Or it, I mean, it could be if you're not paying attention. But there's this very sort of like weird line, the fine line between that and nothing happening. And I feel like the later Ghibli films that were not directed by Miyazaki, the ones which are trying to be Ghibli films, mm. uh, maybe suffer from that. I think one of the best things that Roger Ebert ever said about... Uh, he said this, unfortunately, about the last Ghibli film that he managed to review, which was um, from Up on Poppy Hill. Okay. Directed by Goro Miyazaki. And he called it Weak Tea. 
Mm. I like that film. <laughs> I okay, so I need to reevaluate that film because I my current evaluation of it is no good. Weak tea. But I think that is the difference between getting this right and not getting it right. It's it's the it's like the same art of like don't make the tea too weak and don't over brew it. Yeah, exactly. And I think this is why this is a perfect film. Because it's like it's absolutely not perfect on paper and there's absolutely it's it's got a couple of flaws, maybe. But it's still perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's kind of miraculous, but it also like it becomes something that Miyazaki wants to shake off. By the time that he's making Princess Mononoke, um, I mean he's called Porco Rosso, like his, which is his next film. Oh, so no, uh, after you no, know, it's Kiki and then Porco yeah. Rosso, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's called Porco Rosso like a little bit of an indulgent piece in like recently uh, which I think might be true it's a very fun film but it's quite indulgent and then by the time he's getting back into animation he's making Princess Mononoke and like the reason he makes that is because it's a reaction to everyone by that point in the 90s going oh this is what a Ghibli film is it's magical bullshit makes no sense and lovely backgrounds and you know, it's um, it's like his origin story, and like I said, like the albatross that he has around his neck for the mm-hmm. rest of his career. Uh, yeah, and I think that's uh, yeah something that people probably don't talking about enough. You know, it's I've if anyone's ever asked me what my favorite Miyazaki film is, I would always say, ah, oh, I can't choose. It's it's too hard, and I've always said, you know, there's it's between a few, and you know, it's like Totoro, Fritz Mononoke, uh, Spirited Away. Uh, I can't choose. Uh, but when I thought I thought about it recently, and I thought when I really think about it, if I could only have one to watch the rest of my life, it'd easily be Totoro. So <laughs> Totoro is my favourite Miyazaki film, my favourite Ghibli film, and therefore probably my favourite film. So, uh, so I really love this film quite a lot, as you can tell. I would say, uh, would you agree with me? How would you? Or well, I suppose, Ponyo for you, Dan, because it's your. Well, <sighs> yeah. Again, it's like it's impossible to like. I I, I think I'm able to like. You can't make Ponyo without... He can't make Ponyo without having made Totoro. Exactly. Right? So, I feel like it's kind of like... Okay, like, at the moment, I'm coming around to thinking that uh, The Last Jedi might be my favourite Star Wars film. Because it's the best oh. one. Because it's the best movie. Yeah, I thank you, Chris. You are <laughs> correct. Yeah, you you win someday. Uh, <laughs> you you absolutely win. Um, yeah, be, yeah. But I also keep telling myself, like, yeah, you can't say that without the setup of Force Awakens, and you can't say that without Star Wars seventy seven, right? Yeah. So I probably have the same answer for Ponyo, where it's like, 
yeah, I love that, but you can't have that without Totoro. Like, Totoro is the film where Miyazaki, like, makes a name. Like, Totoro is the movie that, you know, made um, Akira Kurosawa cry. <laughs> wow. Right? Like, that is, that is the moment when Miyazaki is considered a, not just, like, a good animation guy, like, a great Japanese director. Mm-hmm. And he is considered amongst, like, Kurosawa. You know, um, and 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 all the rest of it. It's it's a genius. It's just a genius. It is magic. The film because like, I mean, like to get into really some really nerdy shit. Um, it has like um, there's this thing in in that in in film studies which someone coined the term average shot count. <laughs> that is, is nerdy. <laughs> Okay, which is basically within a film, there are so many cuts, so many shots. Yeah. Um, sorry, average shot length, AS hell. Uh, <laughs> I'm reappropriating it. Um, and the average shot length in the film is much longer than most animated films, which just basically means that more the shots have more breathing time. Mm-hmm. But the crazy thing is that the average shot count of this is less than. So the average shot count is shorter than Raiders of the Lost Ark, hmm. which is an action film. And this is not an action film. <laughs> uh, I uh, think. That is certainly not. There's some magic in there to that. Like that Miyazaki makes it feel like it's a a complete holiday and that you've lived with it just being a tight 90 minutes. Um, I, yeah, there's a, there's just a magic trick there that I, I don't know how he pulled off. And, um, yeah, it's a classic. Yeah. I think it's, let's put it this way. It's his greatest film in that no one else could have made it. Yeah. No, I see that hands down. It's conceivable that someone else could have made Probably even Princess Mononoke. It's conceivable that someone could have made, maybe in Spirit of the Way. Like, it's a very unique film and it's got lots of Miyazaki touches, but yeah, I'm glad that he spent the 15 years sitting on this idea and letting it percolate. Because, uh, yeah, it's, it's a perfect film. I don't know, I just, what, what is that to say? It's Totoro. It's. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, really it's good to go back to the film. It's good to go back to the film because sometimes it's it's it's, it's one of those things which has become so iconic. Yeah, it's like oh, someone's got a Totoro like handbag. Like wow, it's just like recognizing Mickey Mouse now. It's like yeah, really. Like yeah, he's everywhere. Yeah, so it's good to go back to the film and just like okay, it's it's still a masterpiece. One one thing I would say though is if to anyone listening, if they do ever get a chance to see it on the big screen, jump at it, because it is, if you've only ever seen it at home, it is amazing to get to see it. And if it you ever see Totoro, it. jump at it, like, yeah. Yeah. on its stomach, and on he will fly yeah. off on his, on his little, what is it, like a little dreidel? 
Um. Oh my gosh. It's like a little spinning top. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a spinning top. Spinning top I love. Like. I love the logic of like. Yeah, no, he can't. You know, he can't fly. That's ridiculous. He needs a spinning top to fly. He, he needs something. He needs to be standing on top of something. All right. I think we've we've. Um, thanks for listening to our four hour. <laughs> takedown but there's so much to cover in this movie like it's like we have to go yeah you have to you have to take your time like just much like the movie takes its time to go through these you know these this little journey with these two little girls like we have to take our time to go over like okay go like what what is it about this film that really kind of just draws us in and make you know has such a huge like a somewhat belated but still very big like icon and you know, something that we all look, you know, a lot of people who've seen it look fondly back on, you know, I'll save that mm. one, that one review. But, um, mainly I think it's the characters and the observations. It's, it's yeah. like, you know, when you leaf through a very, very good artist sketchbook, mm-hmm. you'll see like little observations they make about how people stand or how people look at things or how people pick things up mm-hmm. that you can only really just, get from observing people yeah and there are moments in this film which are, which feel like that where it's just like oh my god that's exactly how little kids do that Ex- that's yeah, exactly yeah. how they react in that situation mm-hmm. and that's what makes it universal despite the whole you know um sharing a bath with your dad and uh the very the bento, bento box thing yeah it's yeah, this movie is a treasure, and it was one of the very first early, like, Ghibli, you know, films I was exposed to, and, mm-hmm. like, anything, like, I saw probably, I mean, Castle in the Sky and, and Totoro are my first two, so, like, I got to see two, like, I got to see the commercialized, but still very charming action film, and then I got to see the very, the much softer, like, you know, out there side of Miyazaki and... From, you know, everything, every Ghibli film that I've seen since then has been based off those first two experiences. And it's, you know, it's like I, I found films that I like even more since then. And I, but mm-hmm. even still, like every film that I have seen come out of that studio has been judged by those first two movies. So it's like. It, it, yeah, it's a very easy film to like go compared to like something that's spectacular. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's quietly brilliant. Yeah, it, I mean, and I, I appreciate it for that yeah. quiet brilliance because I like films that are about quieter character moments or character development, and or just like like you said, it's a holiday. It is a nice little escape holiday that you know if you know when when life is really kind of throwing crap at you, like like you said, the one line that the father has in at the end of the film: "We learn to cope. This is a movie to cope. Yeah, this is a coping movie." Mm-hmm. Uh, if if we're just doing sort of random bits, just one thing that I noticed that I didn't I, di- I didn't really take in was when they're looking for May after she first encounters Totoro, mm-hmm. and uh, the dad crawls up the um crawls up the uh, the uh, like up the what you call it the the tree when they call up the pa- like the passageway up there. And yeah. he, he finds her hat and he puts it on. And that just seems like that's such a fun, that's such the kind of thing you do with a child, with children. <laughs> you 
Oh, I'm a bit silly. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he's fun dad, basically. He is a very and, fun dad. And I thought, yeah, that, that's perfectly observed. So, and yeah. you know what, Miyazaki steals that exact beat from himself in The Wind Rises. When, oh wow! When uh, Jiro is courting the other uh, character who has TB in in the Miyazaki film. Uh, um, when he's courting her and he catches the hat and he puts it on and he takes a bow. <laughs> I take it back, he's such a hack. <laughs> yeah, he's, I, I'm kidding, he's, I'm kidding. He's, he's, I mean, look, I, I, I'm going to be disappointed if the next Miyazaki film is anything less than a big riff on everything he's ever done. Wouldn't that be spectacular? I'd like to see that. <laughs> But yeah, um, Totoro, it's, I love it. Always will. I'm so Mm -hmm. glad that talking about it for this episode and uh, Ghibli Fest gave me an excuse to watch it again. Not that I need one, but you know, it's just like, I hadn't thought about it in a while and it was a really hectic weekend. Um, It was exactly what I needed to watch to just kind of chill out. Oh, and for anyone who points out, yeah, we know that it was released with Grave of Fireflies, but yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> I know what we've said everything. So you watch Grave of the Fireflies, then you watch Totoro to cope. <laughs> no, it wasn't that though. The, no. Oh no! It, oh no! It, they just they tried it both ways. Is that right, Chris? I don't know. I've always wondered which way they showed them. I the first thing I heard was that it was Totoro than Grave of Fireflies because it was like, oh no! If the kids get bored, we can leave, kind of thing. <laughs> Like, oh my god. Or like it's too late now, the grown up film is on. Oh wow. But I also heard that they tried it both ways. Mm-hmm. And then there seems, Yeah, it's then they're it's, expecting the end to turn out very differently. Yep. Yeah, I mean yeah, at least Grow the Fireflies, like, it doesn't beat around the bush and it opens with I'm dead. Mm-hmm. Like it's, yeah. it's not Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. Yeah, indeed. So, thank you very much to jo- for joining us, and it's been a, another fascinating chat. And we'll be back soon with more animation topics, and hopefully soon we'll do our Princess Mononoke episode. Yeah, we're 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 rounding out the Ghibli library. We've covered quite a bit of their films now, but we've, we're we're just we'll have to take count of the ones we haven't talked about. Where's yeah, like the last chance to make an action film? Suzuki pitched it to him. <laughs> we'll be working our way through. Uh, and we will be back with more fun. And you can follow everything that we do on animationforadults.com. You can follow us on Twitter, AFA blog. You can find us on Facebook, on Tumblr, on Pinterest, on Instagram, on Google Plus, and on YouTube. Uh, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash animation for adults or buy us a virtual coffee, coffee on Ko-Fi or <laughs> however you say it. Uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter at Mr. Crystal. Where can we find you, Dan? You can find me on Twitter at Hanu. Where can we find you, Rachel? I'm mostly on Twitter uh, at Phil2Ninja. And you can find the cat bus wherever you need it. <laughs> um, so, Just give yeah. it a shout. It'll come to you. 
Yeah, it's a little thing will flip down to <laughs> literally whoever you are. <laughs> yeah. All right, everyone. Have a great week. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>